Welcome to Between the Vines. My name is Kevin Martin. I'm here with Jennifer Phillips Russo. Our coffee pot meeting series are done, so we're here to uh, have a discussion about cover crops uh, as uh, part of the Lake Erie Regional Grape Program. And uh, it is cover crop season. We've we've done a little writing about it, but if you're a podcast listener, we wanted to hit you with some of our, our latest information about cover crops, what we know, what we don't know and where to go from here as you are probably listening to this uh, and if you're an avid cover crop um, vineyard grower you're probably seeding as you listen to this but um, if you're not or, or if you want to learn more about it as you go uh, this this should be the about the right time and we do have a, another probably 10 days where you could potentially seed uh, jen you want to kick us off with uh, what you've got going on in cover crops or what you've been uh, thinking about considering Yes, absolutely. So actually, we've just had some discussions in some of my research research plots here on what I my plan is. And I told them we need to start seeding our cover crops out there. I've seen lots of seeders going around as I drive up and down the belt. So that makes me happy. It is time to get that winter cover crop in. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it's all depending on what you need, what your goal is in your vineyard for your floor management. I like it. For when it comes time to release those nutrients in the springtime when the plant needs it there's some of it already there also trying to get into a soggy vineyard that doesn't have a cover crop system might be problematic if you're on a really heavy soil if you have those heavy clay soils you probably have some compaction issues if you don't have some roots in there to break that up as they senesce so there's a lots of issues like there's even a dandelion is a tap root. So if you have dandelions there, that's helping. But I would prefer to see something like a radish in there or something with really deep roots to break up that compaction. You're looking for other things. Just that's basically what I really want for the winter one, though. I want the nutrients down and I want you to be able to get in there when it's really wet and soggy. Keep some of that soil in place. And then on those really heavy soils, break up that compaction. If you have a really sandy soil, you're going to want to have a lot of organic matter there anyways, just to help with your water and nutrient holding capacity. So it doesn't just rush, you know, run right out with all the wetness we have in the springtime. So I was looking at certain species. I'm writing a letter for it right now, just for our crop update this week. And if you're not really that familiar of what you should or shouldn't do, I just suggest a couple of different species in there for you to do like a cereal rye or red clover, buckwheat, winter peas, radish, Jump in anytime, Kevin, and say what you were watching. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was I was going to say, you know, you you, you had a, a lot of different options there. Um, and I think we can probably narrow it down a little bit, depending on what, what the level of experience is that a grower has with cover crops. So, um, you know, I think the primary motivation that, that I see a benefit in is fall weed control and also springtime weed control. Um, right. So... Fall season grasses are probably highly competitive in terms of moisture, but at this time of year and a lot of years, you already know it doesn't matter. The problem is, is, is if there's something else in there besides that grass. And so that's where cover crops allow you to sort of reestablish your vineyard floor with what you want. So you don't have mare's tail mixed in with your fall grasses kind of, kind of a thing. Uh, so to do that, this and this is a good thing about weed control is the, typically the best way to control weeds with cover crop is to maximize um, the biomass per acre. Yeah. So, so you're getting a lot of biomass. So, so 
that's one very good way to, to um, you know, improve soil health, even if it's not your primary goal, or even if I'm saying it shouldn't be your primary goal, um, you get it anyway. So that's great. Uh, and what you want to do is, if you're new to this, is you want to limit your risk of loss. So it's already August 5th. You've already lost some biomass. That's already happened. Um, the other real risk is, is if your pH is low, especially if it's below 5.2, I probably wouldn't seed cover crops. If it's below 5.8, that's not necessarily ideal for cover crops, but you can, you can get started. I wouldn't spend $60 an acre on seed, but you can definitely get started with some of the more resilient stuff. Um, this time of year, you probably want to use a buckwheat just as an insurance policy. So if nothing gets established because of an issue, your buckwheat probably will and will quickly and will do a good job of choking out some weeds, even if it doesn't create a lot of biomass. And it's fairly inexpensive. Um, Providing some phosphorus too. Lots and lots of growers use daikon radish. It's great at recycling, breaking up compaction, filling in the area. Um, when it's mixed with a cool season grass, it chokes out weeds better than the cool season grass by itself in all of the research I've ever seen. Even though you wouldn't think of a brassica like a radish as, you know, choking out weeds, but for whatever reason it does. I mean, it, it does have a lot of, of green leaf up top. Um, a little hard on the ankles when you're walking. So. Yes. It's, and while it is an excellent recycler, a lot of growers in other crops, and I would imagine in grapes too, struggle to use those nutrients because the breakdown is not necessarily at the right time. So if it, if it converts it to organic matter, that's great, but available nitrogen, um, you know, when they planted these in some areas, they actually see runoff. So in those areas, if nitrogen is your primary focus, you're going to have to take, you know, you're going to have to reduce your compaction goals and get rid of that radish and probably plant like a turnip or something like that. And that brassica is going to break down later, much Your closer to break time, but you're not going to get any, like it doesn't do anything else as well as a, as a daikon radish or a, a giant radish. Um, but if nitrogen is your primary goal, um, it, it does do that part of it better in terms of recycling and, and making it available at the right time. Uh, both are fairly affordable. All of these things so far are affordable. A cool season grass is at a, what you want to do is if you seed it at a low rate, and typically this is going to be like half the rate advertised by the company. So um, that's a good question that you're bringing up because I have lots of growers who are actually seeding right now and there's lots of rates out there. Yes. So we have some who are seeding 30 pounds per acre. We have others who are seeding 10 pounds per acre. Right. So what so, do, what do you, go ahead. I would say if you're new, you definitely want to lean towards that 10. Right. 10 um, to 12. Mm -hmm. If you're doing it as a blend, I think you're going to be successful. If you're trying to do a monoculture of oats or ryegrass and you're trying to do 10, it's probably not going to be great. Um, and so that's just, I would suggest a mix anyways, the more species you have, the better. That's where some of these blends, um, actually don't really cost more because to have an effective monoculture, you, you're going to need a higher seed rate. So you lose most or all of the savings in doing that. Um, now there is a cost to blending and, and that cost does depend on what kind of planter you have and whether you're doing it yourself or you pay the, the company to do it for you. But even with that, it does make sense to blend. And 
you know, along those lines, the one thing I haven't mentioned is a legume. So if you're just getting started, I don't know that you need a legume. My primary goal with a legume would be to increase biomass. So I'm just going right back to the other goal that I already had. And that's what I'm doing. What's that? Nitrogen with legumes. So that's not my goal. Um, Your goal is just biomass. You I'm new, you know, I'm new in this hypothetical. I'm new to planting cover crops. Um, my primary goal is certainly not going to be nitrogen. I'm not even sure if it's a secondary goal. Uh, it's probably, hopefully not going to fix any nitrogen because I've done a great job managing my vineyard and there is not, um, you know, organic matter isn't extremely low and I fertilize with an, with an inorganic fertilizer. So these legumes, if they're not short on nitrogen, they're not going to make their own. They're going to take right. least resistance. So hopefully it's expensive for them. It's expensive for them biologically to make it. So hopefully that's the condition in your vineyard. And if it's not, then legumes down the road might be a great fit. You know, if you have a situation where you can't get enough N because of your soil type um, and your, you know, your legumes are going to be short and producing, it might be, that might be a great idea. But, but what I have seen and, and I haven't seen it everywhere is there is some research that shows you're getting that blend of biomass and the benefit of multi-species cover crop with a legume. Um, even though, you know, you plant crimson clover with five other things, it doesn't look like a lot, the crimson clover part of it, but the actual amount of tonnage of biomass goes up. And, and so that's what my goal is with a legume if I'm just starting out in cover crops. Um, once I know how to grow a clover really well and I'm happy with it, then maybe you can start using it for some more of its primary purpose purposes. And what that's going to do is it's going to change the cost. You're probably going to double the seed rate of your, especially like a crimson clover, which already requires a higher seed rate. So instead of planting it at five pounds to the planted acre, you might be at eight, nine or 10. Um, and so there, so there is a meaningful difference. It's not just a mindset. Like the reason I'm planting this is, is different, but I'm still doing the exact same thing. So, there is a change. You use a higher seed rate with your crimson clover or even a medium red. Uh, crimson's really easy to manage. I don't know if it's the best for all of these nitrogen biomass type goals, but for a beginner, I think it's perfect because it's pretty, which provides motivation to skeptical people. And it it's easier to kill. So you don't have a headache with termination. You can, I think you can crimp roll it. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, not that we've got a lot of crimper rollers running around, but it just anything you can crimp roll is really easy to terminate. You can do it other ways too. Um, if you can't crimp roll it, uh, you know, and it's it's a legume. Sometimes it's actually hard to kill. Winter pea is another another good one that's easy to kill. Um, it's a little, it's it's quite a bit more expensive, um, so wouldn't be something I'd plant in my first two or three years of doing cover crops. But there's probably some benefits later on. But at the very least, if you have any questions, I feel like you guys just give us a call. We can help walk you through it, give you some suggestions. Yep. But what I did, you know, what I did want to touch on is we have seen prices of some of these creep up quite a bit in the last year or so. Uh, you're not the only ones using cover crops. As the price of corn or other crops become more valuable, people look for different ways to get another bushel. And their justification for what it takes to get another bushel when the, when the value of a bushel doubles changes. So they start spending money like crazy. Um, what we've seen primarily is that it's in the, it's in the nitrogen market or the phosphorus market. So the cover crops 
that help meet phosphorus and nitrogen goals are where the prices have changed. I don't know if it's a direct link to, to, um, to what's going on, but I do know that those are the things that we've seen get more expensive. Some of the cool season grasses are not that much more expensive. Um, so the good news is your prices overall will not be that much more, but when you start to focus on individual goals, like an expensive clover, you might see a little bit of a bump up in price with all of this extra focus, not just in grapes everywhere on cover crops, there are more people providing seed. So there's also more competition. Um, so while we have sort of seen base prices go up when you're buying in bulk and you're shopping around, that's another way your prices may actually not go up at all. Uh, so if you talk to these guys, they're all like, yes, my prices went up. But if you shop around, the prices you're paying may not have actually have gone up, even though their individual prices have gone up, because I think that competition is higher because they're all doing more business and there are more businesses providing this seed. Um, so make sure you do that. Make sure you shop around and, and look for good seed. Uh, but but that's really all I have other than what I will say is, you know, I did mention that I think the primary goal should be weed control and soil health through weed control and biomass. Um, we had a meeting today. They mentioned that it's very hard to get interline. The price of Roundup has doubled in the last 12 months. We need to do these things to particularly right now today to reduce our volume of spray material in the vineyards because that's becoming more and more expensive. So we can do more things and spend more money uh, in a way to reduce uh, that, that usage because it's becoming harder to get and more expensive. And, and that could all change. I mean, you know, corn prices could, could fall apart and maybe it'll be easy to get Roundup again someday. There are still some benefits. We see superior weed control in cover crop systems because, you know, we've got people using very high rates of Roundup and the control is still less than adequate. But right now you can spend even more trying to avoid those materials. And I think right now you're going to see growers who are not cover cropping. We're looking to use some interline, can't get it, or it's cost prohibitive. And you're going to have to switch back to Roundup and mowing. And, you know, Roundup by itself was a, was a great practice in terms of cost, but now you're going to have to mow on top of it in a wet, a wet July, potentially wet August, you might have to mow twice. So you're looking at, um, you know, you're looking at spending $30 an acre or $40 an acre on late season weed control when you do that with, you know, a low rate of herbicide to prepare your soil for cover crop and then spending, um, you know, less than that on cover crop. And that will last not until August or September or October, but into the spring. And so healthy for your soils. Yes. Thank Brown, you all. Putting it in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, soil health is a great goal to have. Uh, it's going to be a difficult goal to achieve because we still have not done the research to determine what you can do and how aggressive you can be from June 1st to August 1st. Um, we are grants written for that though. So hoping we can get some money in soon to figure that out for us. Yes. I'm not very afraid of just planting buckwheat in the summer. It doesn't scare me. I'm not sure it has the most benefits, um, but it does seem to work. It keeps weeds down to a dull roar. Um, so, so I think the experience with that gives me hope that you can maybe be a little more aggressive than just a buckwheat monoculture without outcompeting the vines. We'll see. Um, not something I would do in my vineyard right now until 
Jennifer does the research, shrinks all the vines at Clairol or doesn't and makes those mistakes for <laughs> you guys. And, and then we learn and we can tell you what the right answer is. Um, but in the meantime, we are, we're very lucky to have a perennial crop where you can plant in late July, early August, because a, a lot of other crops do not have that. And when they're talking about a planting window and trying to create bio biomass, it's end of August, it's September, and it's, it's not ideal. I mean, you don't get much. So, so we're lucky there and we should take advantage of that uh, and, and use it to our advantage. Uh, because if we don't, the weeds will. <laughs> right. <laughs> Something's going to try to grow. But thank you all for joining us. If you don't have anything else, Jennifer. Um, no, not just keep looking for more articles that'll be coming out on cover cropping. Right. So you said, like you said earlier, now and the next 10 days is the time to do it. So, right. Yes. And we were a little lucky this year. I think some guys got, got started maybe even 10 days ago or at least five days ago. There were actually problems getting seed in time. I think there were some planters ready to go and they had to wait for seed because some of the seed gets harvested like in real time. Like, you know, the seed we plant in August ripens in July. So, so there were some issues with wet ground and, and combines and things like that. But I, I think a lot of guys did get started early, which is a great way if you know you have soil moisture to have success in planting things that you shouldn't be successful in. Um, you get that longer season and you know you have soil moisture, stuff that you normally can't grow will grow really well. So that's that's going to be great news for those guys that have already started. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. If you have any specific questions about cover crops, we may not know the answer, but we may know who does, and we always want to learn more. So please feel free to reach out to us with specific questions. We'll try to get the answer. Maybe we already know the answer. Probably not. Um, but um, and if you have any other questions, we're always looking for ideas for podcasts. We're going to try to do these one one a week all winter long. That's not going to be easy, but we're going to do our best. Uh, so again, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Have a great week.